This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Good morning, good evening, good night. How is everybody doing out there on this wonderful quarantine day? And we're all stuck inside, so you might as well just listen to the amazing episode coming coming at you from Gilme Talks. I have the one and only, the endorsement, Sebastian Suave on the uh, on the line. How's it How's the day going? Here? It's going well. I love how you said a uh, uh, wonderful quarantine day. You're trying to uh, put some uh, positives in the, into the day, so I think that's Hey man, I'm I'm a positive guy, and sometimes that annoys people, and I rub them wow. rub them the the wrong way. But right now in this world, I think we all need a little bit of positivity. We're all waiting in these long lines to go anywhere. We all got to stay away from people, and I'm a drunken hugger, so for me that's that's kind of killing me right now. So yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, I think uh, many of us are drunken huggers, uh, and <laughs> if there are any. Uh, people out there who don't hug when they drink, uh, they're doing it wrong. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, first first question I always like to ask is, do you remember when you fell in love with professional r- wrestling? Uh, I, I mean, my story is always the same, but, uh, you know, it, it, was, it, it was a bit of a minor build. Um, I was four or five, I think. It was my fourth birthday. My uncle bought me a... Um, one of the old school WWF uh, blue wrestling rings toys that had like six action figures. So I, I don't know if anyone listening remembers, but the Hulk Hogan one, when you stretched out his arms, uh, he would snap back in and both the fists would collide. Uh, the Roddy Piper would do an uppercut. Uh, Axel would come down from above with a fist for his uh, two by four. Uh, there's a couple other ones. So uh, it was it was a very cool gift from my uncle. I'm like, you know, I love my youngest uncle then. So he was, he was a cool uncle. And I just played with those toys, and as soon as uh, I saw uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, probably almost five, 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 six, and it was uh, it was a Saturday night uh, main event or replay of Raw, but it was it was essentially the Saturdays at noon after all the cartoons ended. Uh, the next uh, thing to air was one hour of wrestling, so I'd get up at seven a.m. and watch Dragon Ball Z, and I'd go through all the old school cartoons, and uh, next thing you know. Uh, actually start training you've been doing this a a little a little while now and yeah. and back then training schools were a lot more uh difficult to find let's just say that and where'd you where'd you uh, start yeah so i started squirt circle training uh, any of the wrestlers who have a bit of uh 
experience who are from the Toronto area, not all of them, but most of them uh, did go to uh, Squared Circle. So guys like Brent Banks and myself, who are probably at about like 11 to 12 years now, I assume, um, we 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 trained at Squared Circle uh, training, and uh, a few guys who came after us, like uh, Tarek and John Greed uh, and the likes, came from that school. Um, uh, Channing Decker, uh, Fight or Flight, uh, some of those guys. So um, they were at the tail end of it before the school shut down. And uh, uh, how it started for me really was uh, 2000s. It's you get introduced to wrestling in North America just one way. It's WWE, right? You the WWF. And uh, I watched that for years and years, and I'm super obsessed. I'm the craziest wrestling fan amongst my friends at school. I'm the, that kid who just you know uses catchphrases catchphrases all the time and whatnot. And essentially, uh, that obsession, you end up reading about wrestling online, right? Whether it's mainstream sites, and then eventually you, you discover one or two quote-unquote dirt sheets, and then uh, you hear about the Spring of Honor company, and then I started uh, uh, buying those VHSs that turned into DVDs, and uh, at that point, once you start getting more into that uh, underground uh, tape trading scene, you, you end up uh, learning a bit more about the indies, and you realize there's such a thing as indies. And uh, at that time, uh, I think I was 18 or 19, uh, probably 19, uh, there was a big super show uh, in Toronto, and it was run by Squared Circle Trading and, and another partner, and essentially, so I went to watch the show, and checking out the event page, I saw a roster page for uh, the wrestling school, and I was like, well, wait, there, there's a wrestling school other than WWE and uh, Florida? I couldn't comprehend it, or OVW, right? And so I went to another show, but at the back of my mind, the super obsessed kid who dreamed of being Shawn Michaels and whatnot, uh, when this reality kicks in, it's no longer, well, I have to relocate to U.S. Uh, where I can't work without a visa. It became more like, you can save up money and go do this uh, 45 minutes from home. And so uh, when you're that obsessed with something like uh, myself, uh, I was with wrestling, you're going to have to give it a shot, and that's kind of how it started about. But yeah, it was Squared Circle Wrestling under uh, Rob Fuego, who was my head trainer, and Cobra Kai, who was assistant trainer. And uh, that was uh, where I started at. Do you actually re- will remember your, your very first uh, first live live match in in the front of front of uh, people? Yeah, so funny enough, uh, our first match was our, uh, our our wrestling company at the time, so Squared Circle Training had uh, a brand called Blood, Sweat and Airs, BSE, and they had their first show in Timmins uh, up north, and at that time Timmins hadn't had any kind of wrestling in 20 years, and uh, it was at their big hockey arena in front of 2,000 people, and um, so usually before shows, uh, our trainer or, or, or he'd get one of the veteran wrestlers, uh, get him in, someone like Tyson Dukes, and they'd grapple around with us uh, just to get us some little reps in the ring and, uh, you know, just to show off a bit and maybe impress a bit or just to learn from different people, stuff like that. And um, so we'd always bring, like, shorts, a shirt, and our amateur shoes or basic runners. And uh, our trainers suddenly looked at us, tossed two of us black shirts, tossed two of us red shirts, and said, you guys ready to... Uh, uh, wrestle tonight and uh, just like we were like all like frozen we're like wait what and so we were the pre-show uh, match uh, for that event uh, in front of 2,000 people as our first uh, match there was like Kurt Angle Christopher Daniels just Monty Brown <laughs> uh, let's see Eric Young uh, 
a pretty big card and a pretty large crowd, and it was quite quite surreal as a first uh, match. But yeah, from there we carried on a few pre-show matches for our wrestling school once a month, and then uh, eventually through the school and uh, other places across Ontario, we'd start doing uh, main roster matches. And I've seen you wrestle in tag teams. I've seen you wrestle as singles. I've I've I have been a fan of Smash Wrestling pretty much ever since they've started coming to my hometown, London. Which, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yep. Appreciate that. But why would you ever ever decide to start promoting? Um, the fast track of that is uh, my wrestling school. Um, um, I once held a, was going to do a charity event. Let me backtrack. I was going to do a charity event and. Uh, I was trying to find the right cause to, to, to cover, and uh, I started reading one or two websites, and they said, uh, do something where you have resources and connections, and so that kind of kind of always circled back to wrestling, although I was hesitant on doing something else, and, you know, no, knowing that promoting on Indies is a bit tough, and then I figured, you know what, it'll probably be fun, I get to maybe pull it off in my hometown, and uh, I'll probably fundraise more money this way, so I ended up doing one uh, show and I, I had a good knack for it. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of work. And uh, I waited a, probably uh, maybe eight months or another year or something and I, I just decided to do a second one in my hometown. But um, around that time, uh, my wrestling school merged with another wrestling company and uh, there was a bit of a, a bit of a falling out or d- disagreements between both sides, not for everyone, but you know, there's diff- there's the roster from our side, the roster from their side, the management from our side, management from their side, and uh, there was a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and uh, right or wrong, uh, a lot of people were either uh, kind of uh, leaving the ship, or a lot of the roster from our side, the BSC side, weren't getting used on the card, so uh, a, lot of, a lot of people were disgruntled, and uh, a lot of people complained that uh, we weren't getting our reps. And so I decided, asked my trainer if, uh, if I can run wrestling shows under the Squared Circle training banner or Squared Circle Wrestling. And uh, he was up for it. And basically, um, although I ran the shows and I booked the shows and it was my money, uh, I essentially did it for the purpose that was uh, that we currently have alumni and students who don't have a home, home ring to get some reps in. So uh, the roster was compromised of... Um, our longtime graduates, like core roster members who graduated from the wrestling school, whether it was three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and also uh, the students who were they were rookies or they were just students trying to get reps on pre-shows and whatnot. So I committed to that, and uh, I stretch in like two, three guys off the roster just to you know uh, give it a bit of a different kick and a different flavor, and have our guys mix it up with some different guys. Some of them were usually my friends, and. Uh, did that for, I'd say, about a year. I can't tell you, honestly, how long it was. But there was another uh, wrestler who was part of the school, and he started uh, co-promoting the events with me. And um, the more I did it, the more I knew, like, I, I was giving it a lot of hard work from my wrestling school, but to truly go all out, I, I needed my own vision. So that was always in the back of my mind, and I didn't know if I'd uh, ever make that transition. But once I knew the, the wrestling shows were good for Square Circle Wrestling under uh, uh, my colleagues' watch, I respectfully let him and my trainer know that I'm going to just kind of start a wrestling brand of my own. And now that I know the school is still good to go. And uh, uh, that's where the idea of Smash Wrestling began. Uh, to start hatching up the idea of the company name 
raving about. But yeah, like uh, I started promoting just to do one, two charity shows, and then just I promoted more shows to keep my wrestling school afloat, and then I had that itch to put out my own vision. <laughs> and uh, for better or worse, I've been stuck in that since. And I love the name of your promotion, Smash. It just it's so wrestling and yet i'm and i'm very surprised nobody's ever used it before it just uh there's a around the time uh, i came up with the name uh there was a company out of japan just called smash not smash wrestling just capital letters smash and it was a promotion by tajiri and it was actually defunct so it wasn't around anymore and at that time uh, i was hesitant on using i was debating smash for a couple other names and uh, uh, one of my friends at the time was uh, Josh Alexander who was part of the startup roster and I kept jumping back and forth and uh, I told him oh, I don't want to be a copycat promotion you, you just stress hey it's, it's defunct it's on the other side of the world it's the Indies uh, it's a good name and uh, kind of as much as I like the name there was that hesitation and kind of uh, encouraged me to kind of commit to the name at that point so that's uh, the backstory behind that but uh, yeah it basically uh, it's a good name. It's it's nice, direct. It's uh, in your face, and at the end of the day, it's what you make of the name. But uh, very happy that that's the name that, that we started out with. Would you mind uh, mentioning some some of the 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 other names besides uh, Smash? Um, I'd have to kind of look up some old conversations, truth be told, but I don't remember them at this point. Uh, uh, it's probably because in my heart, Smash was the favorite choice, right? It just uh, needed a reason to pull the trigger. But uh, yeah, maybe down the road, I could, yeah, it'll be a fun project to look up and uh, just uh, kind of put it out there on social media. Hey, these were the names we were debating uh, when we started out. But yeah, at the moment, because uh, it's been about, I guess, seven years now, uh, they, they, they don't come to mind right away. It's a good and, question, though. Like now, you got me interested in knowing the answer. <laughs> and I actually got got this one uh, written in because uh, I mentioned to well a couple friends, and I I'm going going to get uh, Sebastian Suave on the uh, on the show eventually one day. And anytime there was a cancellation or a no show that happened, that brought the best out of the locker room or yourself any uh, any, uh any... yeah i mean that's a great question uh there's so many cancellations there's even more than people know sometimes we negotiate with someone we get the sponsors we uh put the graphics together we you know alan would bust his butt and put a good video together on some occasions and we wait for the right you know monday or or wednesday or whatever it is to announce it or at the or we wait one or two weeks till the live event and everything's ready to go deposits are put in and uh the day of or 24 hours before, whether we announce it online or at a live event, we have a cancellation and we got to find, and we got to find someone new because we systematically, you know, or strategically, shall I say, wanted to make an announcement at a particular time. Now we have 24 hours to find someone else, make sure it has equal impact, uh, just ensure that we get our deposits back, you know, stress out with more editing for graphics and, and or videos. And it, it happens a lot on the Indies. And, Unfortunately, it's happened a lot more to all companies over the past two, three years, and maybe even a little longer. And part of that is because uh, the indies have been booming, and there's goods and bads with that. And the reality is, a lot of guys uh, are getting opportunities to get signed with whether it's uh, NXT or with Ring of Honor, or at the time, Impact also had some exclusivity. Uh, New Japan, you know, you know uh, 
MLW and uh, with a lot of these companies, and the list goes on, you know, even Lucha Underground had those exclusive contracts. And what happened is a lot of guys would uh, either have a contract that's exclusive and now they can't do their indies anymore or they have to go to a trad or they there's a two-week period where they can't wrestle before or after an event. Uh, or because the indies are also booming up, uh, they get a minor injury and for their, their big, bigger contract, they got to preserve their body and rest the next two weeks and they got to kind of take the hit on their indie dates. So it's a laundry list of reasons and it's been one of the least enjoyable parts of the job for the last few years. But uh, I think just because of the frequency of events we've run and the ambitiousness of the, the, the goals we've had, uh, especially sometimes working with talent in international places where you, you whether you need a visa or some kind of paperwork or documents uh, uh, where there's language barriers with translators, it's, it's definitely made for some challenging uh, uh, processes. But yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's made us better in the sense of the office, like the, as a quote unquote, our staff that deals with this stuff. Um, there's times I remember once we lost, I forgot what it was, but what I distinctively remember is there's four of us talking. And when I announced that uh, to the guy that this is falling through and we have 36 hours to find a replacement, uh, we actually lost that thing. I, I might not be 100% sure, but it was an event where we lost both guys in the main event, like within the course of like two, three days. And we just joked about it. Like, yeah, another one. No one's freaking out anymore. And they're like, all right, so what's the process? All right, we're going to try for A, B, C. Uh, maybe we'll stress for D. If, uh, if, uh, if uh, under 24 hours we don't have who we want or someone who's on par, we are just honest with the fans. We're going to let them know, hey, this happened 24 hours ago. We have 24 hours to go to the event. We don't want to blindside any of you. This is the reality of the shitty situation. But we will do our best to make it up within the next 24 hours or, uh, uh, you know, do our best to put on a hell of a show for you guys. Refunds will be available after, after match one if no one, you know, people aren't happy or whatever. You just you just try to be honest with the fans. I mean, at the end of the day, like, there's always going to be one or two people who don't get the indie to try or or who are first-timers are like, oh, this is a con show or something. It happens very rarely, but, like, it sucks hearing that, but it's usually a very mi minor group of people, and most people who are your fans who've been there for more than a few shows, doesn't matter what the cancellation is, and doesn't even matter if they post on social media that they're really pumped out about it. They still show up, and they still enjoy the show. The, the loyalty is unreal. So you just, uh, when you get that from fans, you just got to make sure you don't burn them. You make sure you don't, um, even if you can't get, uh, let's say you for for whatever reason your 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 flying name is a big Mexican superstar. We've had that happen once or twice. Um, uh, with one of the Lucha Bros who couldn't make it uh, and with Pentagon, and uh, you know you you can find someone of his caliber on short term notice or something. But you know you're like you know what uh, maybe you get two replacements for the one guy or just you know you maybe get some of your local guys to go the extra mile and you know take care of them uh, it just you just gotta make sure the fans feel appreciated and you get someone on the microphone who is a face of the company saying hey we see you here we see you still supporting us online and at the show thank you we're gonna bust our asses for you guys tonight so uh i think our roster has always turned out for the better with these situations as well because quite frankly it means one of them has to step up to the plate and uh, I'd like to think from day one we've had kind of a mixture of the best of quote unquote from Ontario mixed with the Ottawa Montreal guys the Cleveland the Buffaloes you know uh, before we had some guys on Philly and Boston whether you had the Chris Heroes one of the odd as regulars um, the idea 
media is our core guys who are seen as the local guys or the Ontario guys. Um, they have either been considered the best of, you know, some of the best in Canada, or they're the ones that people were sleeping on. So, like, Tarek is now considered one of the... So, Tarek's one of the guys that's unquestionably one of the best in Canada uh, right now. And But back then, maybe people just considered him a good hand or uh, one of the, you know, decent guys out there. But we knew the potential behind him, so uh, we knew we can, you know, put him in the lines of then, so to speak, or put him in a spot to step up need be. And uh, we did it without hesitation for a couple guys because, quite frankly, uh, not only do we believe in them, but at the end of the day, even if people believe in you, you need opportunity to prove yourself. You just can't be worried. So uh, every wrestler, including myself, who is ambitious and hardworking, they they do want opportunities where uh, they may be in deep waters. And uh, I think... Uh, Maybe if you guys have jitters the first time when they get those big opportunities, but eventually it's like it's what you want and it's a comfort zone. Uh, you, you do want to be on the big stage. You want the spotlight. You want to be in a situation where people think, can can he or she step up? And Because in your mind, the answer is yes, and I'm going to show you. So, uh, yeah, those situations suck, but it's brought the breast out of uh, our rap roster and our staff, and it's been, while shitty, it's also reminded us of our core fan base and how loyal and appreciative they are of us and how they acknowledge it when we still uh, recover last minute, you know, pretty well. Speaking of Tarek, I, I, I wouldn't be a podcaster if I did not ask you about the pillars and where that actually came came from. Because you four guys have been watching on Smash like I've been a fan of Smash Wrestling ever since I found it. Like I've been watching Johnny Gargano on Smash, PCO on Smash. You brought in some huge indie names over the years, and once again, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> Where did the pillars yeah. come a, come about? Yeah, so um, uh, kind of uh, it had a little more to do with Tyson and myself uh, putting the name and the guys together, but. Uh, the story is very organic. So um, Brent Banks and myself, we started training about a month apart, but relatively in the big picture around the same time. We graduated at the same time. We had our first match against each other. We expanded together. Uh, you know, we all. And the thing is, we weren't tag partners. We in wrestling, you know, the people you have chemistry is the people you're standing across the ring from. So Brent Banks and I always brought the best out of each other. We made each other better, right? And um, we were mentored by Tyson Dukes, who was behind the current after our first match, the one I told you about with 2,000 people. And so we went through the current thinking, like, you know, these guys have our important matches. We're nobodies. We're just these students. He was there applauding us and hugging us and congratulating us. And he's always kept an eye on us. And um, for myself, I, I really haven't mentored or, you know, taken people under my wing extensively over the years. It's part of it as a trust thing. But, um, Tarek was one of the three people I, I did, and, uh, um, uh, you know, I don't take credit over his success because, I, yeah, I did help a lot when he was younger, uh, when he was a student, when he came to Smash, uh, transitioning to becoming Tarek from Alex Vega. But at the end of the day, the wrestler themselves has to knock it out of the park and deliver, and they have to have the tools. So I, I think part of being a promoter, booker, slash a wrestler, I get to see perspective from both sides sometimes promoters or bookers feel entitled to quote-unquote making the wrestler and vice versa like uh you know who gets the credit but you know a company or a booker or a veteran or a mentor can give opportunities can put faith in someone but they got to knock it out of the park and Tarek's always been the one who's had the goods and who's delivered the goods at the end of the day so anyways, uh, he was a guy i mentored so if you can see it's kind of a bit of a 
a family tree in wrestling. Tyson's, uh, uh, he won't hear like him, the grandfather, but he's pretty much dad. And then he took uh, Brendan I under his wings, and then uh, I took Tarek under my wings. And um, we all see ourselves as equals now. Like, you know, Tarek's the youngest in, in that branch, right? But at the end of the day, he's just as good as any of us. And some people will, will with that batting eye, will say he may be the best of the four of us. And uh, I'll, I'll respect that too, you know? And that's a beautiful thing. And um, Tyson, and I have always brought the press on each other. If people seen, like, for example, Tyson and Tarek, they have these slug fests that are unreal. And uh, everyone knows about Brandon Ice history. And uh, last year, I think Brandon Tarek had one of the matches of the year for Smash Wrestling, if not probably the second best one of the year. Um, and uh, you look at the two years ago, Super Showdown, uh, I forgot what number it was, Super Showdown 6 or 7 or whatever. Uh, probably six, but uh, it was Tarek and I uh, in a street fight, sorry, in a last man standing match, and it was the opener of the show, and we got match of the year uh, by the fans and by a lot of our peers, and it was very humbling, but also that showed the chemistry we have as well. So um, the gist of it, just to get to the point, is essentially uh, we, we have a bit of a mentorship tree where we, we all, we're all connected in some way. And then uh, we're all part of the originals who started uh, Smash. There was about six of us who have stood the test of time from beginning to now, including uh, Greed and uh, Mike Rollins. Um, and uh, kind of Tyson looked at the forest, and they were kind of like the pillars of Smash. And uh, noted that, because if anyone knows Tyson, he's really big on that early 90s, uh, late 80s, all Japan you know, strong style, fighting spirit style. And over there, you had Tao and uh, Toshiyaki and uh, Kawada, Kobashi, Masawa, guys like that. Uh, sorry, um, yeah, the four of them. Let's, uh, let me just rephrase that. Let's see. There was uh, Kawada, Kobashi, Masawa, and Tao. Yeah, and the four of them were the pillars the, uh, of heaven in all Japan. So we are the pillars uh, of Smash, which is how we introduced ourselves in Smash, but be because we knew we wanted to branch this beyond Smash, we're just the pillars. And the beauty of it is we are a stable, but this, the ultimate foundation of who we are is we are guys who bring the best out of each other as opponents. So uh, some of the most notable moments in Smash Wrestling as the pillars hasn't been us necessarily being a tag team, although, you know, Brendan Tyson had an incredible tag title reign. Uh, you know, we've had a great three-on-threes or four-on-fours. It's, uh, like I said, Tarek and Brent bringing out the best each other in a title match or uh, the last man standing match we had. And uh, we've carried that out of Smash Wrestling too. And recently we, uh, I know we, we had a killer four-way in Toronto. We had a killer four-way for Bear Wrestling as the pillars. And we just uh, got to be profiled in uh, WXW in Germany where uh, they had a showcase show with uh, seven international companies and they put their faith in us as the main event of that show. And, um, uh, you know, I say this humbly, but it was nice to hear from management and others uh, who are peers that uh, we delivered as the main event. So, um, yeah, part of being the pillars is uh, we don't always have to hold hands and be a team. You know, we can fight each other <laughs> and bring up, bring it up a notch. And, uh, you know, and it's not like uh, two guys who are... Uh, friends as a tag team and they shake hands and they don't punch each other. No, we, we want to go all out and we want to push each other because that's that's the idea. We push each other to bring out the best out of each other. Oh, yeah, because Tarek is, not to pick one of you, because I, all four of you love love watching the Pillars wrestle anybody. Back to uh, uh, back back to Tarek. 
he is one of the best in on on Ontario, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on on that guy because he's oh, so and talented. I, I'd say I'd say Canada without hesitation because uh, out of the Maritimes, you got Burke, you got great guys like uh, Mike Bailey and TDT out of Quebec. You know, you got the Smash Brothers who are with uh, out of the Ottawa Montreal area who are with uh, AEW now. Uh, there's a couple of good guys out of the east west coast who aren't signed but like uh you know the few guys who uh, were to be signed like the smash brothers are signed and you know and a couple other guys uh, out of ontario uh, are signed so like without hesitation it's like hey Derek is probably one of or the top free agent in canada and you know it's all it all is perspective and opinion right so and i always respect that but if he's not your top guy he's got to be in the top five then at least right and uh uh, even if you take contracted guys, a lot of talented guys that got signed, and I have world of respect for their in-ring skills. But uh, Derek's up there as an elite Canadian wrestler without hesitation. Oh, yeah. And uh, the, his transformation from Alex Vega to Derek has been one of the most uh, impressive things anyone has seen in the last decade. On, I mean, it's just the people didn't see it coming, but those of us who knew what he had and uh, knew it, and the commitment for him to kind of not just uh, play it up in an angle and smash and take time off and quote-unquote be fired, but just stop taking bookings everywhere else and then come with a bang, a new style, a new set of confidence and to commit to that, you know. And the idea was he was going to use his coming back uh, as, as heel as ever. And we wanted to make sure he wouldn't get pops. So that meant no arm drags or cool hurricane runners. It was, um, but, you know, you still want to impress as a badass. So the, the middle ground was strikes because at the end of the day, you throw a nasty punch your forearm or kick to someone's face and you take their head off, the fans aren't going to be like, ooh, like a shooting star. They're going to be like, oh, shit, took his head off. He killed him. So, And that's the kind of reaction you want. Uh, and we felt, because our goal was he cannot get cheered. Uh, this angle is everything, and uh, there's a two-year payoff. So uh, he was a good striker, not a great striker perhaps, but when he came back, he committed to that and just from the first day you saw his commitment to being a polished striker and he became better and then great and then incredible and he's just you know the tagline of being the best striker in Canada is something he's got to believe in and uh, I think he does and he's he, even when you think he's he's as good as he is uh, you see him bust out a new strike and how polished it is and how he nails it 10 out of 10 times it's impressive so uh, yeah it's the world of respect for who he is as a talent and the fans have recognized it like yourself uh, I do want to say you probably have two of the top Canadian talents working in Smash right now with Tarek and Psycho Mike Mike Rollins. I have loved both of those guys since I first laid on, laid laid eyes on them, and I I think it's kind of an injustice right now that neither one of them are signed. With yeah, uh, you can say that about a lot of guys. You know, Tyson's been screwed over too. Uh, oh yeah, he has. But. Uh, you know, we, we, I've talked enough about the pillars, but I'll tell you this: all four of the pillars, one of our favorite wrestlers, is unquestionably like Michael Mike probably, are uh, the rest of our locker room. There's, no one sleeps on Psycho Mike. We all get it. We all see it. And staff and the guys who help produce those vignettes and uh, and our peers, even outside Smash, like we all know Mike has the physique, he has the charisma, he has the professionalism, he has the mind, he has the promos, uh, you know, he has the pedigree in the background, trained with a credible trainer, 
trained a second time to, uh, you know, to find that credible trainer and not just be content with the basics. He is, people, you know, sometimes may typecast him and, you know, they see the creativity and, and the funniness, but the guy is a solid striker, can be technical. He was trained in that style uh, of hard strikes and, you know, polished suplexes and whatnot, uh, and a bit of an old school style. And the guy has it all, like, uh, you know, if someone tries to tell me, well, this is his flaw, I'm like, oh, he's pretty good at my, you know, promo. Uh, give him a little period of freedom. Uh, someone says, well, he's just funny. I put, put him in a situation where he has to be technical. Uh, he'll, he'll embarrass you. He'll, he'll prove you wrong. Uh, you know, you can't question his physique. Mike is as well-rounded, and the best part of it, uh, he doesn't come with any kind of ego or anything like that. My, Mike has proven that first and foremost to our staff because rather than just going to a veteran or the quote-unquote booker or promoter, he bounces ideas off the staff, whether it's the guys who are, you know, agents or referees or uh, producing the promos or, or Alan who's editing the videos with him. Like, um, I'll trust him with the two cents or looks at it for perspective. And Mike's really just a smart guy that uh, beyond just, you know, the creative aspect is very smart guy and uh, sorry let me start again yeah. uh, I think that was literally the end of my <laughs> sentence so yeah, yeah. So, Mike's a really smart guy oh yeah and also a very nice very very nice guy has uh, was anyone who's nice to my kids at a wrestling show which I take my my boys to uh, smash whenever I can it's <laughs> I remember who's nice to my kids and who's happy to to see them because the, my boys look at these the Smash wrestlers as the biggest superstars in the world because they're like they're wrestling oh they're doing this they're doing that where it's right in uh, uh, right in front of them. Okay, I love that. I love that when uh, call me a little old school. I love that when it's baby faces. For myself, uh, some fans notice I'm rarely at the merch tables and. There's two reasons for that. One, uh, my, our calendar is obviously busy with, you know, smash those around once every month or every two months. We do a couple of towns. Sometimes we go heavy. I think we're doing four or five shows a month. So uh, part of it is um, the promoter slash the booker, and I make sure things are good to the agents, and I got my match to worry about, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and stretch for shower. So sometimes I, you don't, you won't see me at the merch table. But the other half of it is I am almost, almost always uh, a heel everywhere. So I kind of do commit to wanting to be disliked and uh, there, there is some small subtleties or nuances that I, I focus on whether it's in the ring or on social media or, or more so like with stuff like at the merch because I think at the merch like I am very grateful for fans especially being a promoter so if one of our regulars comes to the merch table and like hey like I appreciate what you do in the ring and even more so like what you've done as a promoter this, this place is special for me and my brother or me and my kids like that, it's home, and like I, I am going to go the extra mile because I'm very grateful for the, these people. But I don't want to do that as a heel wrestler because now that guy's gonna have a soft spot for me. And while people are booing me, he's gonna be like, "Nah, he's actually pretty cool, man. Uh, he's one of the bad guys." I'm like, I'm like, ah, and that kind of ruins my commitment to being disliked. Uh, you know, like uh, I'm fine with people don't consider me a, a top guy because they haven't seen any personal attachment. Like You've always heard the cliche, it's better to be booed or cheered than nothing at all. And for me, I, obviously nothing at all for any wrestler is terrible. 
But for me, I don't like the consolation of being cheered. I mean, sometimes there's a group of fans that will commit that they like a heel or they like a person, and there's a group in Toronto that will always like me, and I, in my piece with that, you can't ignore it. You, you embrace it. You can take that small pocket and turn it on the other fans. But at the same time, any opportunity I have to be a heel, I'd like to commit to that. But, you know, sometimes I do have to walk by the merch table or uh, I am out there and it's like, it's a reminder of myself. I'm like, ah, I, you know, it's nice to be out here. I know it sells an extra few t-shirts, but at the end of the day, like I'm very grateful for merch sales, but like I try not to make that like, it, my job is not to sell t-shirts, it's to be a wrestler or be a promoter. Right. So yep. uh, if there are interactions I can have with people more privately on uh, uh, DM uh, on social media or after a show when family, uh, I'm more comfortable with being flexible like that. But yeah, it's a little old school about me. Oh yeah, I'm don't don't worry. I'm going to boo you every time I I uh, see you. So we're good there. Oh yeah, if you cheer <laughs> me out of show, I'm going to have to roll out the ring and find you. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, totally random question here. Do you see the return of the Pineapple Soda Club ever happening? Uh, unfortunately, not. I uh, love those boys, but uh, a few things uh, come into play for that. Uh, sorry, one second. My my yeah. son just wants a hug. Nope. Give my son a hug. Okay, I can b- bounce back to this. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, four of us, uh, we love doing it. It was like a big, big highlight of our week just out of enjoyment. We get together, we grab a bite together, we laugh together. And it's a cliche thing, but we do it and we didn't even care. It's like many people listen because it was therapeutic for us. It was friends hanging together. It's like it's like the conversations we could potentially have if we weren't in a rush or we can we weren't too focused on a wrestling show. We're just laughing and shooting the shit. And uh, it got tough because, uh, you know, we'd be at Greed's house and he's kind of central Toronto and I'm coming out of Markham and Tarek's coming out of Ajax and uh, uh, James was coming out of North, North York area, which is an ultra too far from uh, Greed, but still, we're all, we're all not like, it's not like we're all like high school buddies who live five minutes, 10 minutes away from each other, right? And yeah. so it was, it was very challenging for Tarek and I, especially from, you know, rolling from work and whatnot. And then eventually we're at a point where like, now we're, Greed's got two kids, I got two kids, James got a kid, uh, Tarek's got a kid, you know, uh, and guys have day jobs or day jobs plus wrestling. Guys, some guys work uh, night shifts or, you know, graveyard shifts. Other guys, uh, you know, my, like myself, my schedule is unpredictable, uh, being a promoter and whatnot, um, and doing that drive through traffic or, you know, leaving the wife with the kids on her own. Um, you know, sometimes I'd say I have three, four shows on a weekend. The wife's literally handling the kids around for four days. And then for me to say, hey, I'm back one day, but the next night I'm just going to go hang out with my buddies and eat sushi and do a podcast. It's like, eventually it, 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 we were in a situation where because it's four of us, it had to work for all four of us and that got tough. So it really, uh, the time thing got really tough over there and the scheduling. And so that's where it's tough. I mean, if there's ever a situation where we're all, you know, free and we're just maybe doing a one day special or every now and then that'd be fun too just you know as a small thing or I know I think Reed just started his own solo podcast come on a special guest that'd be fun too oh, yeah. but yeah it, it just it's uh, that that was the nature of it it just got real tough to do do it weekly that's why I think more often than not people who do have a regular podcast that's successful they're a solo host or they got uh, a partner in crime and it's the two of them anything that's a big group like it's not common. I'm not 
think it's impossible. I know these four guys who do a podcast out of uh, Jersey, I believe. They've been doing it on the regular for years, and it blows my mind that they've been so consistent because it's got to work for all four of their schedules. But uh, there's a passion for it, and they've made it a priority, and I'm just going to be presumptuous and assume they don't have kids. <laughs> all right. And, or maybe one of them. Yeah, well, you know what? As a podcaster, I totally get it. <laughs> But I was a huge fan, fan, fan of that show. I loved listening, and you have been more than generous with your uh, uh, time, time. time oh, here. No, I wish we could do it longer, man. Or I, oh. honestly, if there's another day that schedule works for us, we can do a round two, my friend. Cool, man. I'm. Thank you very, very much for uh, coming on. Appreciate it. Oh, oh, I will take 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 you you up on up on that because I gotta get you to do the do the Gilmy Talks ten at some some point. All right, man. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Once again, thank you very very much. Thank you, brother.